past and into the present, into the dream of the future. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, children of all ages. Today is Sunday, October 3rd, 2021. This is the American branch of PNN. What's the show going to be today? Today, we will talk about Stone Toss, twatting out chuds, watch out. Followed by Fuck Joe Biden chant at NASCAR race, NBC hack tries to run cover for Biden regime. Both of those are user-submitted stories from the PTG thread. Then, we'll do Z to take Taiwan this year after all. Sargoy backed the fuck out over my freedom of speech. And we'll close the show with Evangelion episode 3 and 4. That's going to be the show today. few things first. Uh, what do we got? What, what complaints do we got this week? I mean, I haven't had a complaint in a long time. I, I mean, I've got this com- same complaint a few times. This dude on the thread's like, stop fucking mumbling. Speak the fuck up. You're blocked now. Or some, I don't know, some stupid shit like that. <laughs> yeah, I listened back to the episode, dude. Um, I don't think I was mumbling. I was talking quietly at times. That's not mumbling. Okay. <laughs> I don't think I was mumbling. I talk quiet at times. Oh, well. You get a, you get a distinct variety of tones in my voice. You you get excited, Lou. You get sad, Lou. You get melon tone. <laughs> Monotone, Lou. <laughs> melon tone. <laughs> what, what fucking word is that? <laughs> okay. Okay. Stone Toss Comics. Chuds, watch out. Let's see what it is. Super loud at the start. When the far right calls the far left snowflakes, I bet. Got some body armor and a helmet. <laughs> Says if you think the radical left. If you think the radical left isn't ready to fight, you've got another thing coming. Okay, you have no guns. Like, that helmet will not protect you from anything. What's that helmet going to protect you from, exactly? A 9mm? Nothing bigger than that. That vest looks shit. The vest looks like a mean in China. <laughs> huh. Hmm. Hmm, hmm, hmm. This guy probably thinks body armor is like in video games and movies. <laughs> protects you and stuff. It doesn't really protect you that much. <laughs> right? <laughs> Armchair economist. We've lost lads. He's completely bulletproof. <laughs> I'm shivering and pissing myself RN. <laughs> right now. <laughs> that armor would barely stop a paintball. What is that Hasbro-ass vest? LMAO. <laughs> so soft-spoken you can't even hear him over his music. LMAO. <laughs> LMFAO doesn't want his parents to hear him. This dude responds. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Fucking twatter. Start with twatter. Only goes uphill from there. Politics on Red Voice Media. Fuck Joe Biden chant at NASCAR race. NBC hack tries to run cover for Biden regime. Let's see. Let's watch it. Thank you to all of our partners. Oh my God. It's just such an unbelievable moment. Brandon, you also told me, as you can hear the chants from the, the crowd, Let's go, Brandon. Brandon, you told me you were going to kind of hang back those first two stages and just watch and learn. What did you learn that helped you there in those closing laps? Oh, my God. It was uh, learning how each line didn't uh, stay to one and everything shifted top to bottom so much. Fuck Joe Biden. Fuck Joe Biden. Let's go, Brandon. That's a really loud fuck Joe Biden chant. You know, even when the media was running all that fuck Trump shit, I think there was like a fuck Trump chant like one time and you could barely hear it. There was like one fuck Trump chant and it was in like a Democrat city, so we had, uh, uh, okay, whatever, moving on. 
Got Z to take Taiwan this year after all. Picture is China flies 777 warplanes over Taiwan. USA, quote, very concerned, unquote. There has to be some, there has to be some significance to the 777. Has to be... <laughs> this American says USA responds with 666 training army. <laughs> That's funny. This American says we all know what comes next. Confirming here. Yeah, I don't like. I don't know why they haven't taken it yet. Man, I'd be taking that shit right now. What is the USA gonna do? What is Biden gonna do? Start a war, dude. He would not start a war. Fuck, no way. He's a little coward piece of shit. He's ain't gonna do jack shit. This American says, hey, but you know, we won't intervene. We had a general give the Chinese a blueprint to our new capabilities. We left 90 billion in weapons to go shit. To go we left 90 billion in weapons to Goat Street. And now China flies in and turns the power on. Now with as many old doddering fucktars that want to protect their precious chillings. Oh no, he says something. <laughs> wow, he goes on a big old rant. Oh, it's seven seven. It's Boeing seven seven seven. Here's the real cap. Opie is a faggot, and he puts China flies seventy seven warplanes over Taiwan. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. It's hmm. I, it's who knows on four chan. This guy's cool. Nothing will happen. This American says China taking Taiwan would be like eating a chunk of glass. You could do it, but the injury would be horrible and life-changing. <laughs> okay, dude. It's like the number one chip manufacturer in the world. I don't know <laughs> anything it would help them. I don't, I don't know how it would hurt them. They could probably just blame it on us somehow. Their propaganda machine. And on this, this uh, American says Taiwan is the only true China. I'm not sure what the hell the mainland is. <laughs> or this American says they've been talking about that for decades. Keyword talking. <laughs> yeah, but we also never had fucking weak ass Biden as comatose Biden as president before. I don't even think Bush was as comatose as Biden is now. Okay, Sargoy backed the fuck out over my freedom of speech. Now, this is Sargon of Kakad. I haven't seen Sar. Man, I haven't watched Sargon of Kakad stuff since, man, I don't know, months and months and months and months. I used to have a subscription to his Lotus Eaters thing, but I haven't watched them in forever. I haven't watched them, I don't know, five, six months. Well, let's see. Let's watch. Let's watch him get destroyed. Quote, destroyed, unquote. This was about a month and a half, two months ago, is how long this was ago. September 28th, a little over a month ago. He starts at 21 minutes. Oh, this is a good one. Freedom of speech and the press is neither feasible nor desirable. Some books need to be burned. I'm really looking forward to that being clipped out of context right, so, now that I've said so, that. So, so note, note the framing on this. Who wants to claim that based and amazing opinion? <laughs> Skin in the game. No. I have a feeling that this is yet another issue on which Carl may disagree with uh, Evelyn and uh, uh, the Scot uh, Pastor Scotty here. You've been tag feared am from I, the Scottish race. Am I, am I correct in thinking, Columba, that you agree with that opinion? And am I correct in thinking, Carl, that you disagree with that opinion? Yes, you are correct in thinking that I disagree yeah. with that. Let's hear your reasons for disagreeing. Then we can bring in, flanking on the right and left, the Scots to BTFO. <laughs> uh, well, uh, there are... What, you just want me to make arguments for freedom of speech? Well, what, I mean, OK, 
Do I need to do that? Is there Feels any circumstance? Is there any circumstance in which burning let's, a book is acceptable? There must be. Um, what is the what is the purpose of not burning, let's say, White Fragility by Robin D'Angelo? To read it. <sighs> <laughs> Okay, so the, the main problem with this is it demonstrates a massive fragility in the author's own opinion of his own ideas. If you're terrified of white fragility, then you are essentially saying, she's right, I can't take it, burn that book. And it, that book's fine. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's a weird flex. <laughs> white fragility, good, but what? Uh, sexual Behavior in the Human Male by Alfred Kinsey. I can't say I've read that. Okay. Oh, I've heard of that. Yeah, burn that. Yeah, yeah, yeah burn that. Yeah. Can't, can't it stand as an example of uh, what not to do? Uh, no, because once you've broached these questions, you've already lost. Once you've broached a question, you've already lost. I don't understand this dude's logic at all. Yes. So if I ask a religious person, prove God exists, then they've just lost. No, not that. This is asking whether or not children can... Can, can, can enjoy certain activities. And frankly, anyone who asks that question should be... It's just something, weird something that it's on your mind. You know how it is, you know? We don't even have a leftist in the room and it's still coming up. How is that the case? You're the leftist in the room. <laughs> but I'm not the one asking the question. But the, the, the whole issue with the freedom of speech stuff is that it becomes very obvious that you are clamouring from outside the system demanding that the they put your speech up there. You, the only thing you might get out of that is that you become inculcated in it. I'm not demanding they put my speech anywhere. I'm saying don't censor me. Why? Well, why not? Why not? They're, they're, <laughs> because it's my speech Carl, and I don't want to be censored. But they are going to censor you because they're your enemy and they don't like you. They want to shut you up. Yeah. They will censor you and so surely you've got to So it's okay back. when they censor you? Sorry? So it's okay when they censor you? No, it's not. It's okay when I censor them, and it's not okay when they censor me. I don't understand this dude's logic at all. Thank because you. I'm right. Thank you. <laughs> so by that standard, you have ab abandoned moral consistency, making how so? you... How so? What do you mean, how so? I mean, it's so okay when I do it to them, but not when they do it to me. Yes. And you don't understand why you've abandoned moral consistency. I, I don't understand. I mean, it's... it's it's. Have you read the Bible? <laughs> well, I'm pretty sure the Bible... Um, do you know what the golden rule is, Mr. <laughs> the Christian? Gold, the golden... I'm pretty sure... You are Vosh. You have, <laughs> you have the moral standards of Vosh. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure... You unironically are Callicles. I'm pretty sure I'm not the one arguing for preserving certain um, texts that promote certain no, unusual you're arguing, sexual proclivities. you're arguing that all morality comes from power. That's what it boils down to. That is what it boils down to, yeah. The moral consistency for you. is for us amongst friends. But you don't have moral consistency for your enemy. Why? It's your enemy. <laughs> Why don't I mean, you just start I mean, chanting orcs, orcs, orcs? By all means, let the oh, enemy okay, speak. I mean, all right, okay, let's put it this way. You're, you're the... Me what matters is what they you're, say. You're the, <laughs> you're, the, you're the men of the West. Shall we ban... 
orcish literature. <laughs> so, shall we ban <laughs> Saruman's secret text of dark evil? <laughs> shall we throw the bloody ring into Mount Doom? Or do we give a fair platform to, to Sauron, Saruman, and the orcs? That's literally... We have to give Saruman the ring. <laughs> I mean, it's like, I mean, even, 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 even uttering these ideas in 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 our society <laughs> has a corrupting effect. Okay, Borsh, but look seriously, right? I want to know what they think. Sorry. I want to know what they think. Well, I mean, I'm not saying that you burn the book for everyone. Again, I think this might be your enlightenment principles. I can keep the book, but if someone we, else wants, hang on, We're, are we burning the book or not? We burn, we burn the book when they try and mass produce so, it and give it to everybody. I can keep a copy <laughs> so I can rebut it. The same way. So Thomas the answer Moore is we don't burn the book. We burn the we burn the majority. No, you're saying of we don't distribute the book, which is fine. I can agree to that. Maybe there are some books that shouldn't be distributed. I can't think of one, but maybe there is such a thing, right? But I don't think that we should burn the book just because we're afraid of it. I mean, how that makes us look so pathetic. I mean, you read it the book really first, then pathetic. you burn it. <laughs> But if the ideas are so dangerous, aren't you infected with them too? Sorry? If the ideas are so dangerous, aren't you then infected with them too? Well, no, because we're tans. (laughs) 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 So well done, you're you're as bad as the government. I don't think so. Oh, what do you want me to say? I don't think we should be burning books. He thinks we should be burning books. Oh my God, I don't even know. What did I get out of that fucking video clip? Uh, <sighs> the guys he's kind of talking with irritate me because Sargon's trying to be serious and these guys are making a joke out of every little thing and they have nothing really good to say. Um, they say, I guess we're talking about like, is there no circumstance in which it would be okay to burn a book? Sargon's saying, no, you should never burn a book. They're saying yes, you should be. We should be able to burn books. And then Sargon tries to get a little deeper into their thoughts on it, and they keep kind of circling around and dodging it. But it sounds to me like <laughs> Sargon's trying to piece it together, and he's like, "Okay, so like you're saying you want to be censored?" And he's like, "No, I don't want to be censored." But he's like, "But you want to burn their books and censor them?" He's like, "Yes." He's <laughs> it just makes no sense. Like his logic makes no sense. I think Sargon did an excellent job, but it's just weird. It's hard listening to these fucking. Britbong's talk it's <laughs> I don't understand half the stuff that's going on like they're laughing and talking but I feel like there's no substance to what they're saying <laughs> I'm not explaining I'm just like what am I even what is this fucking <laughs> <Looking> UK <laughs> so strange and there's this tranny on here weird odd okay whatever I'll go into Eva Eva talk now <laughs> done with that shit okay Eva talk Eva episode three the silent phone. I think it was also called like the unringing phone or the phone that never rings or something like that was also the, the name of the episode. I think I'm going to start putting the names of the episode because they seem kind of important and th- there is a lot of meaning behind them. So I'll start putting them in there with the reviews. Eva episode three. It starts with this Shinji. He's like training with Ritsuko and he, he seems to be like almost robotic, like a zombie. His eyes are kind of placid over and he's just, he's kind of just doing what they're telling him to do. Like pull the trigger, shoot the guy, pull the trigger, shoot the guy. He's in some kind of like VR training mechanism and Ritsuko is, is training him, like I said earlier. 
A staff member says she's surprised Shinji would even pilot the EVA still, and Rasuko replies that he simply does what he's told to do. That's his way of getting through life. It zooms in on uh, Masato in the background when she's like, as she's saying this, the camera kind of like focuses on Masato in the background. It's a really cool effect. And she looks kind of like grim and all matter of fact business mode. And it, I don't know, it's just kind of strange that it goes from Ritsuko saying Shinji simply does what he's told to to get through life and then it zooming in on uh, Misato looking serious uh, there's meaning behind that and you kind of just get the you just get the feeling that you know maybe Misato talking about using Shinji was there was a lot more to that than we know Shinji's in like robot kill mode and then it like flips forward to ne the next day and Misato's like sleeping in late she cucks Shinji into doing more chores because she's been working all night Ritsuko calls and teases Masato about her new boyfriend, which is Shinji. <laughs> so a little, a little more flirta uh, flirtations between Ritsuko and Masato. They talk about the hedgehog dilemma, how Shinji wants to get close, but he's like a hedgehog where he has spikes, and the more they, the closer they try to get, the more they stab and hurt those around them. Kind of a cool take and a cool uh, analogy. Shinji's class is talking about the robot attack. They're all bitching. A lot of them are bitching about the pilot and, and like how it caused all this damage and how there's a bunch of people hurt. Uh, this one guy talks about his sister being injured in the robot attack. Shinji just sits in the middle of the classroom being quiet. He's like in the very center of the class. They're kind of putting the events together like that this, 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 this new kid came and the robot fight happened. I think they kind of know it's Shinji, but they're not really saying it directly. But you kind of get a hint that they all know. They talk about 15, you get kind of like the teacher talking in the background and they talk about how 15 years ago the ice caps melted in the second impact and almost the entire planet died, like a bunch of, like the human race almost didn't, went extinct. Uh, this girl in the back of the room tricks Shinji into, like she asks if he's the pilot of the robot in chat and he says yes and when he says yes like everyone in the class freaks out. I don't think Shinji knew he was in like group chat. Uh, this kid in the class gets kind of looks like he gets kind of mad at Shinji getting all this attention, and he starts to like write down everything he's saying. It cuts to like after school, and Shinji's getting the shit beat out of him by this dude, by the dude whose sister was fucked up by the debris from the robot fight. Shinji's on the ground, like with the shit beat out of him, and Ray comes by, and you think Ray's gonna come help Shinji up or get, like support him in some way, but she just says uh, they have an emergency call, and then she says, I'll meet you there, and she, like, turns around and runs away, so it doesn't even help Shinji up, doesn't help him out at all, just <laughs> tells him they have an emergency call, he has to go pilot the Eve or something again, <laughs> I don't know, he's like, ah, we get to see some of the propaganda they're telling the civilians, uh, like, to cover up the even the angel incidents, Shinji's piloting him, but he doubts himself, he doesn't know, like, why he's doing it, kind of like why am I still here doing this like he's not getting anything but pain and suffering out of it the kid whose sister was crushed and the guy that got kind of angry at Shinji started writing stuff down they both sneak out of the class because they want to see the ro the angel and robot fight and they think it's like a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity so they go up there's like a there's like a launch sequence for the Eva it's so fucking awesome it's like 90s <laughs> animation it's really good Shinji panics uh, and like blast his gun at the angel like shooting the angel a bunch of times but it looks like he misses a bunch and there's all this smoke everywhere that uh, hides the angel the angel sh does a big like whip attack that cuts buildings in half and it ends up cutting the Eva's cord 
there was a big explanation at the start of the episode about the battery pack and the Eva, and here we get the reason, <laughs> because uh, he, Shinji has five minutes to beat this angel because of the battery technology in the current age. The Eva, like, it, it gets Shinji and, like, hurls him across the cityscape. I mean, like, super far away for such a big object, and it slams into this hill. And it's crazy because it almost hits his two classmates. Like, his two classmates are, like, in between his, like, the, his feet. I don't, like, even in, in one inch in any direction, his classmates would have been crushed. Like, just unbelievable the luck. <laughs> unbelievable. Like, the impact of the ground around them probably would have killed them, I would think. But, whatever. He's basically an inch from crushing his classmates. There's a bunch of, like, dramatic Masato shots. And then Masato says, Put the kids in the entry plug and run! So there's a shot of the hand of the Eva, because it got all melted by the angel, and it looks like a human hand. So we get kind of more of an indication that the Evas are some type of human organism. Shinji seems out of it. I think it's because they have two other people in the entry plug. And I think it was fucking with his nervous system or something. I don't think it was just Shinji's emotions. I think the two other people in the entry plug was kind of fucking with him. Because that other fight, he kind of went out of it. And this fight, he seems to go out of it again. But I think it's because there's two people in the entry plug. That seemed to have some sort of effect on him. He has like one minute left. Masato keeps yelling to run away, run away, run away. He keeps chanting, I must have backed down, I must have backed down. He seems out of it. I don't think this is him being normal or just being stupid and doing stupid shit. I think he was just fucked up because of the two people in the entry plug. But he like runs at the at the alien angel and he stabs it through the core and with this backup blade he had in his shoulder. He's like screaming, ah, and the kids basically see him defeat the Eva and how hard it was. And he, he's basically getting stabbed through the chest when he's stabbing the Eva. So, I mean, he must be in a lot of pain when he's doing it too. The kids kind of warm up to Shinji, but he's not coming to school anymore. He's basically skipping school a bunch. Uh, at the very end of the episode, the guy talks about how he kind of... He's worrying about Shinji because he's not coming to school anymore. And the guy, his the, his friend says, you should talk to him. And he basically goes to the phone to call Shinji and he decides not to call Shinji. And I think that was super important because, I mean, the title of the episode is The Silent Phone. The... The fact is, like we learned in the previous episode, Shinji has trouble connecting with people. He has like no friends. He's always alone. And here's some people like he's finally about to get a, a connection with some friends. Like he's finally about to connect with these people. Instead, he turns away and doesn't call him. He decides to just not forgive him and not call him. It's it's very sad. It's like the start of the episode. He could not forgive Shinji for hurting his sister in the end of in the end of it all. It's kind of sad. Okay. And then we move into the fourth episode, which is Rain After Running Away. And also, I guess the second part of the episode is called The Hedgehog's Dilemma. So it's like a two... There's two episode titles in this one. It's weird. The episode starts and we get to see Masato with uh, bed hair. <laughs> it's very funny. Shinji's still skipping school. The uh, paper little Shin sign has been changed into an actual plaque that's in the shape of a heart. So it's kind of, it's really cute. <laughs> you gotta know that Masato bought that for him because there's no way Shinji would have bought some heart thing for his door. So it looks cute, uh, but it ends up Shinji ends up running away. Masato seems robotic and, unsubs and unsurprised when it happens. Shinji's classmates come by Masato's house and bring him his homework. They call Masato a babe. Masato gets 
like closes the door in their face and then he gets she gets mad at Shinji and she's like all blushing because she lied to his schoolmates to kind of cover for him. I think she cares for him more than she lets on a little bit but she gets caught between business and life. Shinji's on the train all day basically just going in a big circle loop until it ends and he has to get off. He says he needs to go back home but instead of going back home he goes into like town and watches a movie and it's a bad part of town. It's a place where you wouldn't want to be yet he's there instead of going back to his home. Very strange. His eyes are all zombie-like and glazed over like at the start of episode 3 when he's in robot kill mode. So he's, he's all robotic until he sees these couple that are like doing foreplay in the theater and they're all like kind of getting it on and like Shinji kind of like his eyes get normal again when he's seeing that okay so it's like it brings him back but then he gets mad at them and then it cuts away so very strange very you kind of get a hint of it of depth there I love the shots in the show there's so many like artistic shots you get the shot of Shinji like it's all red and he's super small and the building's super tall behind him so you get a super small Shinji and a super big building behind him like he's insignificant. Then you hear all the bugs around him, the cicadas, <laughs> kind of like Havana syndrome and he's like he's grabbing his head like ah and he runs away and we get it cuts to Masato checking on Shinji's room in the morning and he's still missing, he's still not there. And she like looks down and says, idiot, in a disappointed tone. She's still kind of upset he's not there. Shinji takes a bus further out from the city so he's not returning home yet. He's just moping, 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 moping for a, lo a good chunk of the episode. Masato is talking to Rasuko and says she thinks Shinji may never come back and it might be for the best. There's a flashback to right after the fight with Shinji in episode 3. Masato is telling Shinji he needs to follow her orders no matter what. And she says, quote, never do that again, unquote, with a super serious face. Like super serious business, Masato. Shinji's like out of it. He basically just says yes, 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 yes to everything she says. Masato is talking to Rasuko and she just thinks that like it's it's only pain, like piloting it only causes Shinji pain. Masato's confiding in Rutsuko, and Rutsuko says that they need pilots, though. Like, they don't have a lot of pilots. <laughs> like, like, okay, I get your point, but we need pilots. Because <laughs> she's always matter-of-fact. Randomly, Shinji runs into one of his classmates. That It's that guy that was initially mad at him in the class writing that stuff down. The, the friend of the dude whose sister got crushed. Uh, I kind of get a sense that Shinji's suicidal in this part of the episode. Because he's just roaming around, looking down. There's this part where he's, like, at the edge of this cliff <laughs> just seems very suicidal-ish <laughs> classmate says he's lucky to live with such a babe like Masato and that he wishes he could just have a minute to pilot the Eva they both go to sleep but then when they wake up like and uh, the entire security detail of the Antichrist is there and they're there to get Shinji so I don't know if Masato did call in the cavalry because of Ritsuko or if it was just you know nerve getting their property back I'm not sure but it cuts to the first time we get to see Shinji and Masato since he ran away. And the the way the scene is lit is they're both pitch black. Like Masato's pitch black and Shinji's pitch black and he's like looking down, riddled in guilt. Shinji asks if he's going to scold him, but then he brushes it off knowing she won't scold him because she's not really his family, you know? And since she's not really his family, she's not going to get mad at him. 
Shinji tries to place the blame on everyone else that he has to pilot it, and Masato gets mad and yells at him and says, you know, just leave if you're going to have that kind of attitude and you don't want to pilot it. You know, if you don't want to pilot it, then go away and don't, you know, don't have anything to do with the Aoife. Do that. I, and this is a confusing scene. I think there's so many layers to this scene, okay? I think deep down, Masato wants Shinji to leave. She wants him to go away, okay? Because that means he won't get hurt. Nothing will happen. Like, she wants him to leave. But she's also, like, it seems like she's, like, the head of the security detail or the head of operations of Nerve, okay? <laughs> she's, she's like, I think it's kind of part of her duty to see the security and the prosperity of the human race as well. So I think there's more to her job than we're seeing, and she wants him to leave, but she kind of needs him to stay. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. Like, I want you to leave, but I need you to stay. It, it, she is kind of conceding with Shinji because she's yelling at him and getting mad, which she, Shinji thought she would only do if she was his real family. So she's getting mad and yelling at him, but she's yelling at him to leave. So it's kind of confusing because it's like, do you want me to stay and be here with you? You want me to leave? Uh, it just, uh, it's kind of, it's because she wants him to be safe, but she also likes Shinji. It's It's life. It's life. It's conflicting, confusing, gray area stuff. So it flashes forward to Rasuko and Rei and Akari all talking together. And Rei's kind of behind Akari and Ritsuko. And Ritsuko's talking about the third child. The, the third child leaving. So they'll have to reconfigure it for Rei. So, I mean, they don't talk. <laughs> they don't even say Shinji's name. They just say the third child. So Shinji's the third child. They need to reconfigure it for Rei. And then they mention the fourth child. So you get a little hint of that there's another child. You get a shot of Shinji's, like, his resignation is his thing that he's been resigned but he wants to say goodbye to Masato but they won't let him Shinji goes to the bus stop to basically leave his classmates are there waiting for him he, he's surprised that they're there and they said they just had a gut feeling that they should show up they tell Shinji to hit him to make you know the guy whose sister was crushed and he basically beat the shit out of Shinji that one day he says Shinji hit me so we're even Shinji ends up hitting him they actually he, you get kind of the feeling that Shinji may have people that actually care for him right before shinji gets on the bus he freaks out and says that he's the one that should be hit he's a scoundrel and a coward then it flips to masato and risuko and masato is talking about the hedgehog dilemma and how the closer we come to people the more we hurt them she says she finally understands shinji and how he communicates with people and what i think like when she's talking to risuko and i think i know what she means by that because uh because since she brings up the hedgehog dilemma, I think Shinji she thinks that Shinji communicates with people by hurting them. That's how he like communicates because he's that just, he's a child, and the way he communicates with people is by hurting them. And I think this is <laughs> I think this is also backed up by the fact that at the end of Evangelion, when he's talking with Asuka and she's super manipulative bitch mode, and he says don't leave me alone, don't leave me alone. And she says, I'm gonna basically, no, I'm gonna leave you alone. <laughs> you know, like, fuck you. <laughs> I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say what I need to say to hurt you the most right now. That woman thing. Like, I'm gonna say exactly what I need to say to hurt you. And then so Shinji chokes her, you know? And that kind of just reinforces, like, he communicates by hurting people. Uh, Masato ends up coming to the bus stop. Like, she speeds there in her awesome car. But it looks, you get the impression that Shinji's gone. And then it kind of cuts to Masato's face. And she looks kind of 
of flusters herself like she has her hand in her hair and she looks angry but then at the like for just a moment she kind of looks up to the sky and she looks happy like she looks happy that he's gone like she's sad that he's gone but she's also happy that he's gone but then you we can see Shinji in the background this whole time. And then she like turns around and Shinji's there. And they just they just sit there and stare at each other for for like a minute. Almost like star-crossed lovers. And then Shinji says, I'm home. And Masato says, welcome home. So, I mean, those are really good two episodes. A lot of heart and, and depth to these episodes. One thing I'll say, though, that I found was strange was I was reading the, the episode summary on Wikipedia, and I this is kind of strange, so I'm going to read this out. It says, Shinji's recaptured by nerve and reluctantly accepts to resume piloting EVA Unit 1, but Masato states that if he cannot have the right attitude, then he should quit being a pilot. She forces his resignation, and after saying goodbye to his classmates... Shinji prepares to leave Tokyo 3 by train. However, at the last minute, both Shinji and Masoto have an epiphany that gives them a deeper understanding of each other. Shinji does not board the train to leave Tokyo 3 and decides to say, Masato welcomes him back. It's like, I, I guess. I don't think Shinji... <laughs> thing is, I don't think Shinji had an epiphany of anybody. I think Shinji just wanted to... He's a coward. Shinji's a coward, and he's having all these kid emotions. And he doesn't really know what he wants to do. And like Masato said, he communicates by hurting people. And I, I didn't get the feeling that Masato forced his resignation, though. I wonder if that was in the manga or what, because I didn't get that feeling at all. And they don't really mention that, so I don't know. So that's episode three and four, not even halfway there. <laughs> Hopefully I'll get three or more episodes next time for the next episode. If you have any input or anything, let me know. Post in the comments. Love you all. Have a great day. Bye. So realistically... What's the solution to the Jewish, Christian, Catholic, and shitskin problem? How are we going to um, dispose of these unsavory creatures? Um, I was thinking, like, for the lols, we should make actual real-world death camps, like a real holocaust, and actually gas them. And then... We can um, use their remains as fuel for a seasteading colony that will be called New New Schwabenland.